Chapters thirty one and thirty two of Southern Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Southern Arabia by James and Mabel Bent. Chapter thirty one Tamarida or Hadibo. Certainly, Tamarida is a pretty place with its river its lagoon and its palms its whitewashed houses and whitewashed mosques and with its fine view of the hagir range immediately behind it the mosques are new and offer but little in the way of architectural beauty for the fanatical wahhabi from nejd swept over the island in eighteen o one and in their religious zeal destroyed the places of worship and the extensive cemeteries still bear testimony to the ravages of these iconoclasts with their ruined tombs and overturned headstones we encamped on the further side of a good-sized stream or little river having it between us in the town of tamarida or hadibo and this was really a protection to us at night for the inhabitants of that neighbourhood are terribly afraid of certain genii or guinea which abide in the stream and will not go near it at night indeed we remarked that it was considered by hashi and mahmoud the two somali servants a wise precaution to draw all the water and bring up the washing which was drying in good time of an afternoon they had heard such fearful stories that they were very much afraid of being bewitched while in the island though i doubt whether i and my camera were not nearly as alarming they had heard how a socotran man had turned a woman of muscat into a seal and forced her to swim over to socotra in that shape we were told that this story is perfectly true this evil reputation of the islanders is very persistent marco polo says the socotrans are enchanters as great as any in the world though excommunicated by their prelates therefore and raise winds to bring back such ships as have wronged them till they obtain satisfaction it is only just to say we had no need to fear such honest and friendly people sultan salem of socotra the nephew of old sultan ali of kishin the monarch of the mari tribe whom we had visited two years before on the south coast of arabia governed the island as his uncle's deputy he had a castle at tamarida of very poor and dilapidated appearance which he rarely inhabited preferring to live in the hills near garia or at his miserable house at haula some eight miles along the coast from tamarida haula is as ungainly a spot as it is possible to conceive without water without wood and invaded by sand quite the ugliest place we saw on the island its only recommendation being that during the northeast monsoons the few dhows which visit the island anchor there since it affords some sort of shelter from the winds in that direction and sultan salem has a keen eye to business 
his majesty came to visit us shortly after our arrival at tamarida from his country residence and favoured us with an audience in the courtyard of his palace with all the great men of the island seated around him he was a man of fifty with a handsome but somewhat sinister face he was girt as to his head with a many-coloured kefie and as to his waist with a girdle supporting a finely inlaid muscat dagger and a sword his body was enveloped in a clean white robe and his feet were bare his conversation both then and when he returned our visit at our camp on which occasion he received a few presents was solely about the price of camels and how many we should need he did not ask us one other question he talked little arabic being of the mari tribe we gave him an enfield carbine of eighteen sixty three on the plain behind tamarida there is a conical hill about two hundred feet high called hassan which has been fortified as an acropolis and was provided with cemented tanks these ruins have also been called portuguese but they looked to us more arabic in character when one has seen the very elaborate forts erected by the portuguese on the coasts of the persian gulf and east africa one feels pretty confident in asserting that they took no steps to settle themselves permanently in socotra in fact their occupation of it only extended over a period of four years and the probability is that finding it harbourless and worth little for their purposes of a depot on the road to india they never thought it worth their while to build any permanent edifices in the neighbourhood there is a hill where the english are said to have encamped and where there are traces of a more ancient civilization probably portuguese there are walls of small stones cased with cement and inside them a tank with conduits opposite to this hill and across the stream is a ruined village only one house of which is still inhabited it has circular walls and a circular paddock adjoining it for cattle it is perhaps annoying to have to add another to the list of the many tongues spoken in the world but i think there is no room for doubt that socoteri must be added to that already distracting catalogue though socotra has been under mari rule probably since before our era for arian tells us that in his day the island of dioscorida as it was then called was under the rule of the king of the arabian frankincense country and the best days of that country were long before arian's time nevertheless the inhabitants have kept their language quite distinct both from mari and from arabic of course it is naturally strongly impregnated with words from both these tongues but the fundamental words of the language are distinct and in a trilingual parallel list of close on three hundred words which my husband took down in the presence of mari socoteri and arabic speaking people on the island we found distinctly more in the language derived from an arab than from a mari source in subtlety of sound socoteri is painfully rich and we had the greatest difficulty in transcribing the words they corkscrew their tongues they gurgle in their throats and bring sounds from most alarming depths but luckily they do not click they have no word for a dog 
for there is not a dog on the island neither for a horse nor a lion for the same reason they seemed surprised at the idea that there might be such words in their language but for all the animals trees and articles commonly found there they have words as distinct from the arabic and mari as cheese is from fromage at tamarida we annexed a respectable man called amar as interpreter he was familiar with all the languages spoken in the island and daily when the camp was all pitched and arranged my husband used to produce a long list of arabic words and amar used to sit on his heels and tell the mari and sokoteri equivalents the words however being for the most part shouted out in chorus by numerous bystanders i have since added the english and the vocabulary will be found in an appendix it was most difficult to get an answer as to anything abstract for instance clothes would be asked and amar after inquiring if white clothes were meant or blue or black or red and being answered any clothes would give a list of garments of various shapes age was a question that caused a great awkwardness i am sorry to say well answered amar it might be anything seven fifteen seventy anything after the greatest invention and planning on our part we unhappily thought to put the question in this form how do you say what is your age my age said amar mine well with evident annoyance and great hesitation i'm thirty-five not old not old at all he is really quite fifty on such occasions there had to be a tremendous conversation with the bystanders i will not say more of the language than that instead of our little word i the sokoteri is hemu komon and damari evomushom i wish we could speak confidently about the origin of the so-called bedouin the pastoral inhabitants of the island who live in the valleys and heights of mount hagir and wander over the surface of the island with their flocks and herds it has been often asserted that these bedouin are troglodytes or cave dwellers pure and simple but i do not think this is substantially correct none of them as far as we could ascertain dwell always or by preference in caves but all of them own stone-built tenements however humble in some warm and secluded valley and they only abandon these to dwell in caves when driven to the higher regions in search of pasturage for their flocks during the dry season which lasts from november till the southwest monsoon bursts in the beginning of june whilst we were on the island the season was exceptionally dry and most of the villages in the valleys were entirely abandoned for the mountain caves the bedou is decidedly a handsome individual lithe of limb like his goats and with a cafe au lait colored skin he has a sharp profile excellent teeth he often wears a stubbly black beard and has beautifully penciled eyebrows and though differing entirely in language in physique and type he closely resembles the bedouin found in the mari and gara mountains furthermore the mode of life is the same dwelling in caves when necessary but having permanent abodes on the lower lands and they have several other striking points in common 
greetings take place between the arabian bedouin and the socotran bedouin in similar fashion by touching each cheek then rubbing the nose we found the bedouin of mount hagir fond of dancing and playing their teherane and also peculiarly lax in their religious observances and though ostensibly conforming to mohammedan practice they observe next to none of their precepts and it is precisely the same with the bedouin whom we met in the gara mountains there is certainly nothing african about the socotran bedouin therefore i am inclined to consider them as a branch of that aboriginal race which inhabited arabia with a language of its own and when arabia is philologically understood and its various races investigated i expect we shall hear of several new languages spoken by different branches of this aboriginal race and then perhaps a parallel will be found to the proudly isolated tongue of this remote island the bedou houses are round and surrounded by a round wall in which the flocks are penned at night flat roofed and covered with soil and inside they are as destitute of interest as it is possible to conceive a few mats on which the family sleep a few jars in which they store their butter and a skin churn in which they make the same the plan of those houses that are oblong is that of two circles united by a bit of wall at one side the door being at the other in one house into which my husband penetrated he found a bundle hanging from the ceiling which he discovered to be a baby by the exposure of one of its little feet everything is poor and pastoral the bedouin have hardly any clothes to cover themselves with nothing to keep them warm when the weather is damp save a homespun sheet and they have no ideas beyond those connected with their flocks the closest intimacy exists between a bedou and his goats and his cows the animals understand and obey certain calls with absolute accuracy and you generally see a socotran shepherdess walking before her flock and not after it the owners stroke and caress their little cows until they are as tame as dogs the cows in socotra are far more numerous than one would expect and there is excellent pasturage for them they are a very pretty little breed smaller than our alderney without the hump and with the long dewlap they are fat and plump and excellent milkers the bedou does very little in the way of cultivation but when grass is scarce and consequently milk he turns his attention to the sowing of jowari in little round fields dotted about the valleys with a wall round to keep the goats off in each of these he digs a well and waters his crop before sunrise and after sunset the field is divided into little compartments by stones the better to retain the soil and water and sometimes you will see a bedou papa with his wife and son sitting and tilling these bijou fields with pointed bits of wood for other tools are unknown to them we hired our camels for our journey eastwards from the arab merchants who live at tamarida or hadibo they are the sole camel proprietors in the island as the bedouin own nothing but their flocks and excellent animals these camels are too the strongest and tallest we had seen of our camel men some were bedouin and some were negroes and we found them on the whole honest and obliging 
though with the usual keen eye for a possible bakshish which is not uncommon elsewhere the eastern end of socotra is similar in character to the western being a low continuation of the spurs of hagier intersected with valleys and with a plateau stretching right away to ras momi about one thousand five hundred feet above the sea level this plateau is a perfect paradise for shepherds with much rich grass all over it but it is badly watered and water has to be fetched from the deep pools which are found in all its valleys at the driest season of the year and in the rainy season these become impassable torrents sweeping trees and rocks before them and the hillsides up to the edge of the bare dolomitic pinnacles of the hagier range are thickly clothed with vegetation three considerable streams run from southward of mount hagier fertilizing three splendid valleys until the waters as the sea is approached lose themselves in the sand to the north there are many more streams and inasmuch as the sea is considerably nearer they all reach it or rather the silted-up lagoons already alluded to by the side of these streams innumerable palm groves grow in fact dates form the staple food of the islanders and out of the date tree they get branches for their hedges stems for their roofs the leaf provides them with their sleeping mats and when beaten on stones with fibre with which they are exceedingly clever in making ropes our camel men were always at it and produced with the assistance of fingers and toes the most excellent rope at the shortest possible notice they also make strong girdles with this fibre which the slaves who are employed in fertilizing the palm trees bind round their bodies and the trees so as to facilitate their ascent and provide them with a firm seat when the point of operation is reached they weave too baskets or rather stiff sacks in which to hang their luggage on either side of the camel a socotran camelman is a most dexterous packer he must first obliterate his camel's hump by placing against it three or four thick felt mats or numuds and on this raised surface he builds all his luggage carefully secured in his baskets with the result that we never during any of our expeditions with camels had so little damage done to our property even though the roads were so mountainous and the box bushes were constantly rubbing against the loads the camels are very fine specimens of their race standing considerably higher than the arabian animal and when mounted on the top of our luggage above the hump thus unnaturally raised we felt at first disagreeably elevated whilst on the subject of camels and camel trappings i may add that each owner has his own mark painted and branded on his own property some of these marks consist purely of himyaritic letters whilst others are variants which would naturally arise from copying a very old-world alphabetic original i take these marks to be preserved by the steady conservatism of the oriental we copied many of them and the result looks like a partial reproduction of the old sabaean alphabet and they may be seen in an appendix 
scattered over sokotra there are numerous villages each being a little cluster of from five to ten round or oblong houses and round cattle pens i was informed by a competent authority on the island that there are four hundred of these pastoral villages between rascalensia and rasmomi a distance of some seventy odd miles as the crow flies and from the frequency with which we came across them during our marches up only a limited number of sokotra's many valleys i should think the number is not overestimated if this is so the population of the island must be considerably over the estimate given and must approach twelve or thirteen thousand souls but owing to the migratory nature of the inhabitants and their life half spent in houses and half in caves any exact census would be exceedingly hard to obtain the east of the island is however decidedly more populous than the west as the water supply is better we were constantly passing the little round-housed villages with their palm groves and their flocks chapter thirty two we depart for the land's end that is rasmomi after leaving tamarida we spent a night at a place the name of which has been variously spelt we decided to spell it dihelemniting it has otherwise been called dishelenata etc it is a lovely spot at the confluence of two streams in a wood of palms and we had a nice little flat field to camp in when i say a field i mean a wall-supported place once used as such we saw very little cultivation except gardens at the villages and the palm trees were for the most part quite neglected near tamarida we saw just a few fan palms and one i remember looked very odd as it still retained every leaf it had ever had and looked like a yellow tower with the green leaves at the top all the rest were bristling withered down to the ground in south arabia people are punished if they steal each other's palm leaves as the ribs are valuable for many things as well as the leaves themselves but here there are no restrictions of that kind there was a good deal of climbing up and down to sayehen our next camp while we stayed there my husband went about everywhere that he was told there were ruins or supposed inscriptions but saw nothing worth mentioning except the inscribed crosses already alluded to at first after leaving sayehen we kept along the lower ground for some time passing by garia Khor, a very long inlet or lagoon which stretches inland for at least two miles we dismounted at this has where we were told by amar the english ones had houses it was a mass of ruins we went over a pass about two thousand five hundred feet high and up and down two sets of hills to a level plain about one thousand five hundred feet high extending all the way to rasmomi as we ascended we passed a peak two thousand feet high called godahan which has a great hole in the middle of it through which a large patch of sky is visible we encamped near it close to the hamlet of kithab 
in a wood of palms and various other trees full of those pretty green and gray birds half parrot and half dove whose beauty however did not save them from our pot from this place and even before we reached it we had very little personal use of our camels the clambering up as well as down was so severe there is behind the peak of godahan a curious flat ridge raised not very many feet above the plateau which is called matagioti and is perfectly honeycombed with fissures and crevices offering delightful homes for people of troglodytic tendencies huge fig trees grow in these crevices and dragon's blood trees and large herds of cows and goats revel in the rich carpet of grass which covers the flat surface of the plateau unfortunately this rich pasture ground is only indifferently supplied with water we obtained ours from two very nasty holes where rain-water had lain and in which many cattle had washed and when these dry up the bedouin have to go down to the lower valleys in search of it before we left it had assumed the appearance of porter there was a great deal of lavender growing about and numerous pretty flowers and we found many shells in that place it was so very cold that we had a fine bonfire to dine by and the dew that night was drenching pouring off our tents like rain in the morning as ras Momi is approached the country wears a very desolate aspect there are no trees here but low bushes and stunted adeniums covered with lichen and looking just like rocks with little bushes on them very little water but plenty of grass we encamped near the hamlet of saihon where though there was no appearance of a mosque there was not only a mullah but a doctor the former was so free from fanaticism as to send us a present of a lamb the inhabitants were very friendly to us and let us go into their houses and watch their occupations the women were busy grinding limestone to make pots and we obtained a very dirty little bag full of a kind of organic substance like small white stones which is ground to powder mixed with water into a whitish paste which after a little time turns red i think they paint the pots with it they were pleasant-looking folk with quite a european cast of countenance mostly ugly and some with scanty beards and reminding us strongly of the old frieze of the parthenon sculptures in the acropolis museum at athens really they were just like them except for their color which is chocolate brown we could not help thinking of the moscoporos when one came up to look at us with the lamb round his neck we settled there for several days not being able to go nearer rasmomi for reasons connected with water i cannot think it could have been really pleasant to the people of saihon that we should have drunk up nearly all their water and only left a little the color of coffee behind us we suffered badly while there from two things firstly from the dreadful kind of grass upon which we were encamped and secondly from a regular gale of wind the grass a penicetum i believe is one we knew and hated in mashonaland 
the seed is like a little grain of very sharp oats well barbed which carries behind it into your clothes a thread like a fish hook about two inches long as for the wind when we came home one afternoon we found matthaios in a most dreadful state fearing the tents would be down he was trying to get the outer flies off alone and was delighted when my husband and i the only two other experienced tent dwellers came to his assistance for days we might as well have lived in a drum for the noise of this tempest there was a little round enclosure to keep goats in we knew that hashi and mahmud had taken this as their home and we were satisfied that no matter which way the wind blew they were sheltered but one evening before dinner we heard that mahmud was ill with fever we both went to see that he was comfortable and my husband took him some quinine we found hashi had put him to bed on the windy side of the enclosure with a hard stiff camel mat under him one over his body and a third on his head we soon moved him and wrapped him in blankets and my husband having got some sacks and other things as a pillow hashi put them on the top of mahmud's head we built up a waterproof tent over him but soon had to unpack him as the village doctor appeared on the scene demanding a fee of two annas from my husband he began by making several slashes on the top of his head and cupping him with the horn which he sucked gave him some medicine and having spent a little time blowing in different directions settled down crouching over the patient waving his hand as if making passes to mesmerize him and muttering a few words alternately with spitting slightly and often in his face our joint efforts were successful in the recovery of mahmud who was well next day it is curious that in this somewhat wild and at present an interesting locality we found more traces of ruins and bygone habitations than are found in any other part of the island about five miles from rasmomi and hidden by an amphitheatre of low hills on the watershed between the two seas we came across the foundations of a large square building constructed out of very large stones and with great regularity it was one hundred five feet square the outer wall was six feet thick and it was divided inside into several compartments by transverse walls to the southeast corner was attached an adjunct fourteen by twenty-two feet there was very little soil in this building and nothing whatever save the foundations to guide us in our speculations as to what this could be other ruins of a ruder and more irregular character lay scattered in the vicinity and at some remote period when socotra was in its brighter days this must have been an important centre of civilization none of the natives would help us to dig in this place they are very much afraid of the devil and think the ground under the ruins is hollow and that there is a house in it at one time hopes were held out that the sacrifice of a goat might avert danger but after all we and matthaios had to do the best we could in the way of digging we always carried tools with us my part consisted in tracing out the walls with a trowel and moving stones my husband and i found it most difficult next day to take the measurements in the high wind 
from saihon my husband climbed up a steep and rugged mountain to a ruined village on a strong place called zerug amar's family mansion was near a cave containing three women some children and large flocks of goats kept in the cave by a wall it is heated at night and very stuffy before leaving this corner of the island we journeyed to the edge of the plateau and looked down the steep cliffs at the eastern cape where ras momi pierces with a series of diminishing heights the indian ocean the waves were dashing over the remains of the wreck still visible of a german vessel which went down here with all hands some few years ago and the bedouin produced for our edification several fragments of german print which they had treasured up and which they deemed of fabulous value ras momi somewhat reminded us of cape finister in Brittany and as a dangerous point for navigation it also resembles it closely near the summit of one hill we passed an ancient and long disused reservoir dug in the side of it and constructed with stones and during our stay here we visited the sites of many ancient villages and found the cave charnel houses already alluded to we lunched in a sort of cave behind some huts on the opposite side of the valley if such it may be called from the bone caves and were put to the rout by a serpent which evidently liked the water in a little rocky pit in the mouth of the cave it was horrible stuff but we had brought water for our tea with us our supposed foe was slain the serpent was very pretty fully a yard long black and salmon coloured and with a very tapering head and tail it was said to be poisonous but we thought it could not be the hills all about rasmomi are divided into irregular plots by long piles of stones stretching in every direction certainly not the work of the socotrans of to-day but the work of some people who valued every inch of ground and utilized it for some purpose or other the miles of walls we passed here and rode over with our camels give to the country somewhat the aspect of the yorkshire wolds it has been suggested that they were erected as divisions for aloe grounds but i think if this was the case traces of aloes would surely be found here still aloes are still abundant about fereghet and the valleys of hagier but near rasmomi there are none and it is hard to think what else could grow there now but these mountain slopes may not always have been so denuded end of chapters thirty one and thirty two recording by shenna sare fresno california